0: Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. And our uh, speaker today, Ed Stetzer, uh, is a, an author. He's a pastor of a church in the South, and he's a researcher Uh, And as a researcher, he has provided leaders with all sorts of great information on where the church has been historically, what it's going through now, and and what he sees in the future. So uh, uh, Ed Stetzer um, is from New York City originally, but he pastors a church in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, lives in the Nashville area. He has a wife and three daughters and one long goatee. Please welcome Dr. Ed Stetzer.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you for that uh, kind uh, applause for just showing up, actually. So, uh, so I appreciate that. But uh, glad glad to be here. If you have a Bible, take it out. If you don't have a Bible, repent and look on with a friend, uh, or turn on your Bible, you know. And so, but I'm glad you're here. First Peter chapter four uh, is going to be our text today. Pastor Skip's already gone through First Peter recently as a series, so you're going to be familiar with some of the text. And so I I, I can kind of jump in on the two verses. I want to draw four truths out of two verses today. Uh, the title of the Message is engaging all of God's people in God's mission. Now, it's not missions, it's not missions, though I'm a big believer in missions. My PhD is in missions, uh, but we're going to talk about engaging all God's people in mission. Missions is often defined as maybe crossing a culture to plant churches, do ministry, crossing a body of water, going to a different place. We need more, not less missions. I'm talking about mission. Mission is a bigger word, it's basically we're joining Jesus on his mission. He said in John 20, 21, he said, as the father has sent me, so send I you. So Jesus was sent on mission by God to die on the cross for our sin and in our place. And then Jesus says to us, as the father has sent me, so I send you. I am sending you. So as God's people, we're sent on mission, and what we're going to look at today is that all of us are sent on mission. All of us are to serve in ministry for the glory of God. The passage is 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I'll be using the HCSB translation, and let me read it to you, beginning at verse 10. It says, based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides, so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Four things I want us to look at today. We'll kind of go through them, but they're going to all build around this passage. We're going to walk word by word through this passage because we have a bit of a challenge This passage calls us to have all of God's people engaged in God's mission. All of us saying yes here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. But the statistics tell a different story, right? So I lead LifeWay Research. I lead an evangelical research firm. So I'm going to quote some statistics. I have to quote some statistics, right? Matter of fact, when I do, every time I quote a statistic, an angel actually gets its wings. So let me quote just a couple of statistics here. We did a study in a book that Tom Rainer and I co-authored called Transformational Church. And we found that of the 7,000 churches we studied across the United States, that the majority of people in the majority of churches were unengaged in meaningful ministry and mission. In other words, most people sort of show up for the show, but they don't show up for the serve. In other words, where most churches have actually a majority of passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. Passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. And so what then are we to do? Well, let's, let's look to God's standard in God's perfect word that gives us that direction. Four things. If you're taking notes, number one, all have gifts. All have gifts. Let me, let me see where we get that, right? Verse 10. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others. So let's let's just walk through the passage, right? So based on the gift, so in line with, right? Because of, related to the gift. Now, the gift here is singular, and so most scholars say that it's singular because it's referring to the Holy Spirit. We are gifted with the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, when you were changed by the power of the gospel, because of Jesus' death on the cross for your sin and in your place, you received by grace and through faith and became a follower of Jesus, you were gifted with the Holy Spirit. and dwelt, and with continuing filling, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're gifted based on the gift they have received, but we're also gifted by the Holy Spirit. We have spiritual gifts that God's Spirit has given us and He has given us to use them to serve others. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others. So gifted with and by the Spirit. Based on the gift they have received. Received. I'm not trying to sound like a preacher by emphasizing the D. It's kind of a preacher thing, not a pastor skip thing, but maybe somebody else. Based on the gift they have received, received. I'm emphasizing the past tenseness of the word in the past. So Peter's writing to believers. And in the first verse of the book, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the temporary residence. That's code word for for those who are this is not of their world. This their home is not of this world, the believers. So this passage is written to Christians, not to non-Christians, not yet to people who are to people who are not yet followers of Christ. So let me say to you this morning, if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus first, we're so glad you're here you have the opportunity here and kind of consider what the gospel 's about, but this passage is really not for you, uh, not at this point at least because this passage is written by a Christian to Christians about how to live a Christian life, serving others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the message for you today is is not that you should try to serve others so that God will be happy with you or Jesus will be pleased with you. And that's not the the answer. Here's why. It's not what you do. The gospel is not you do. The gospel is Jesus did. And because of what Jesus has done, you can respond and call upon him and the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I invite you to that today to trust and call upon his name. So so I don't want you to listen to this message if you're not yet a follower of Christ and say, well I gotta turn over a new leaf when what you really need is new life. You need new life in Christ. And so but but so this passage is written though to the vast majority here today are followers of Jesus. And so this passage is written to you. Based on the gift they have received by nature of our conversion and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we've been gifted with and by, we have received And then it says, everyone, everyone. Based on the gift they have received, everyone. Would would you say that word with me together, just the word everyone? Let's say it together. Everyone. You know, the irony is about half of you didn't say the word everyone. And there really couldn't be a more ironic word not to say, if you're asked to say it, would be the word everyone. So let's try that again. Are you ready? Let's say it together. Here we go. Everyone. So based on the gift they have received, everyone. Everyone. Now, now, because statistically, about 30% in the typical church are actually using their gifts in meaningful ways. That means 70% are not, and, 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 but in you know, better churches and, or more involved churches or engaged churches with a better level of involvement, it gets higher, 40, 50, sometimes a majority, 60. But it's certainly not everyone in almost every church in the, well, the United States and the Western world in which we live. So I decided to do a little word study in the original language. The New Testament is written in Greek. And so I said, what does the word everyone mean? ...in the original language. So after intensive study that I want to impress you with my deep knowledge of Greek, here's what it means literally in the original language. Are you ready? Everyone. There's really no escaping it, and that leads us to an unescapable conclusion that this passage says everyone, our practice says someone, and there's got to be a way to bridge the gap between our practice and this passage, and I would dare say that there is, and it's obedience to the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. So all have gifts, right? We get that. So why then are, so, is there so few, uh, comparatively that are using their gifts? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons, right? Sometimes it's the, it's the way we build our buildings. Matter of fact, let me, let me just, uh, looking at your building, let me comment, uh, and give my impression of your building. I hate it. Let me explain why. Um, first of all, people are like, guest comes and says he hates our building? You know, I mean, what, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna pull me off the stage at this point? No. We're already in and we're going till we're done. Um, but, so why do I hate your building? Well, here, here's why, here's why. Because what happens is when we get more than 50, 60 people, we, we start lining them up in rows like shelves at Walmart, facing forward like a theater. So, so this is built like a theater. Now, now obviously you've retrofitted it into it, but you've built it like a theater. And when churches are built like theaters, don't be surprised when people act like showgoers i mean that's what you're supposed to do when you go to the theater you're not supposed to participate you get asked to leave i can actually tell you from experience you get asked to leave if you seek to talk too much in a theater i have three daughters so that's why i know that and uh we're movie theater talkers and so 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 but so here's the deal so you say well ed well ed what's i mean you come in you come into our house and you criticize it what are we supposed to do do you do you have an alternative well no, I don't have an alternative. I just wanted to complain about the current situation. Um I'm like a church member. I just bring the concern to my pastor. I don't have solutions to the problem. Now now no, but in all seriousness. Um to, to illustrate the level of my hypocrisy, I I pastor a church that I planted a couple of years ago and we actually meet in a literal movie theater, a Regal Cinemas. Um our seats recline though and have cup holders for the Starbucks coffee we serve in the lobby. Um <laughs> And so, you know I'm kidding. I love your building. You've done a great job sort of transitioning it into this gathered space. But but there are unintended side effects that we shouldn't be naive about, that when we have stages that people sing beautiful music from and and you get dynamic teaching from Pastor Skip from, it teaches us that our job is to sort of watch, is to sort of stay down there and pay and pray and sort of stay out of the way. And that's not God's design or God's plan. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians twelve seven says this, a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. So every person in this church who names the name of Jesus has been gifted with and by the Spirit when they received and now everyone is to use their gifts to serve others. It's for the common good sometimes it's it's the language that we use right so some of you i've had the privilege of meeting some of you and you you automatically call me pastor ed that's a cultural thing in in your context which is good i live in the american south and i'm a new yorker but in the south they teach their children to refer to adults uh by their first name with the word mr before but mr ed becomes a little awkward sometimes (laughs) in my world unless you're under 40 and everyone under 40 is like why are people laughing around I have no earthly idea what you're talking about. People are like translating to their children all around the room right now, just being neighborly. But you call me pastor because why? Because I'm pastor. The, the problem is this, is when we create this distinction, what happens is people begin to think that pastors are the only ones who are called to the ministry, right? So I'm clergy. I'm up here clergy right now. I'm clergy over here and I'm clergy over there. Right? That's my thing. I'm clergy. You're lay people. What do you do all the time? You lay around. And that's not God's design. That's not God's. Matter of fact, that's just wrong, sinful, and just totally unhelpful. Because God has called you to the ministry. Say with me, everyone. God has called you. You're part of the everyone. If you name the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord, you're part of the everyone who has received. You've been gifted with and by the Holy Spirit. And God has called you to minister at this or beyond this church. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, the problem is this, and I'm always, I have to be careful using this illustration. But if the church is a body and God's people have been placed in the body, it has implications when, when large parts of the body are inactive or immobile. Matter of fact, let's look at that. Let's go to number two. Number one, all have gifts. Number two, God intends all to use. God didn't just give you the gift so you could feel good about yourself. God gave you the gift to serve, we saw that in point one, to serve others. But he says specifically, as good managers of the varied. There's the hint, by the way. We've gone from singular, gifted with and by the Spirit, to varied. We're going to get to spiritual gifts before we're done. The varied grace of God. Now, now so what does this mean? Well, it means that you're to manage, be a good manager. Now, I, I, I first became a manager um, when I was 19 years of age. And the word manager now, very similar to what it meant then. So I remember they pulled me into the back and they said, uh, Ed, we're going to make you a manager. And I was so excited. It was at the Burger King. Uh, and, uh, and I was so excited. And they said other words before the word manager, but that didn't, I mean, there was assistant and knight, but that didn't matter to me. <laughs> didn't matter to me that there was a label maker involved and it stuck it on my name tag. None of that mattered to me. What mattered to me is I was the manager. And for two hours, typically between midnight and 2 a.m., I was in charge of the Burger King. Me and one guy, the fry guy, and I ruled over him with an iron fist. Make sure those fries are hot. But a manager then is like a manager now. It's somebody who uh, doesn't own, I didn't own the Burger King, Davgar Enterprises owned the Burger King. Um, I, I, but, but I was doing it for the, for the benefit of the owner, and for the benefit of the customers. Well, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we, we, we don't own, we, we're actually blessed by these gifts. And they, and they come from God. And, and, and so, so we're stewarding, we're managing the gifts that we have that come from God and are for the benefit of others. Now, how do you say for the benefit of others? Well, because that's what the Bible consistently points us to. This body of Christ at Calvary, Albuquerque, is a local expression of the body of Christ. That is to, to, to be filled with people who are using their gifts for the glory of God and for the advance of his kingdom. Matter of fact, first Corinthians twelve, eighteen puts it this way It says, But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. So if you're here, maybe maybe you're visiting from another church and your body is somewhere else where God has placed you. But if you're here and this is your church, or maybe maybe you've been praying about it, and I would say that, that you might listen to what this means, the implications of this, if this is your church, then God has placed you in this local expression of the body so that you might be used of God for His glory and for His mission by using your spiritual gifts. See, part of the problem is this. And I sometimes hesitate to use the illustration because we've all had family members who have experienced this. But a, but a church that's, that's filled with people who are, who are here but are not serving, they're, they're part of the body, but they're a deadened and inactive part of the body sometimes cause the church to look like parts of the body have been impacted by some sort of spiritual stroke. Where, where they're not engaged, and they're not involved. And that's, that's not God's intent. See, but here's the challenge. Now, now let's take a church like yours, right? I, we have a... I, I do research. We have a category for churches like yours. Uh, I have a file folder for, for your church. And, and we call churches like yours... The technical kind of research definition is this. Freakishly abnormal. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, Now, now, now is that a bad thing? No, no. It's it's actually a remarkable thing. You know, one of the 25 largest churches in the country. Strong and evangelistic passion. Just this incredible history and journey. And so it's freakishly abnormal. And, And what I find when I go to churches like yours that are freakishly abnormal, a lot of times people think that this is normal. It's normal that you start a church and it explodes like this and does all these things. It's not normal. It's freakishly abnormal. But one of the things that happens when you're a great church... And I think I can, I'm quite happy to, this is a great church. When you're a great church, here's what you attract, customers of great churches. Man, I, I, love, the, I love the music, I love the, I love the, the teaching, I want to come to this great church. But what happens is this, is over time the church begins to attract more and more people who come because they're customers of the religious goods and services in the way that they are distributed here. We like it this way. Matter of fact, if you change it, we like it this way so much. If you make changes, we'll kind of express our customer service disappointment that you're not singing the way we want you to sing or teaching the way you want to teach or the programs or the times because we're customers. And if you if you bother us too much as customers, we're going to leave Walmart, go to Target. We're just going to go. And what I would say to this is God has not called us to fill a room up with customers. He's called us to fill a room up with co-laborers. And so you have to make a decision. Are you going to be a good manager who's going to be a co-laborer? Because I don't care if it's a big church or a small church. What I care about is it's a church filled with people who are being equipped for God's work, equipped for God's ministry. And that could be in the church. That could be through the church. That could be beyond the church. Let Let me explain. Some of you will serve in the church. And so thankful for that, right? You'll lead a connect group or you'll be involved with the children's ministry or, uh, or you'll be involved with the students or you'll be involved with the men's or the women's ministry. We need more who are going to serve in the church. Some of you will serve through the church, ministries sponsored by Calvary. Well, you'll be involved in ministries of mercy or mission projects or things kind of outside but connected. And, and some of you, for God's glory, will serve beyond the church, right? You'll be part of and, and blessed and encouraged by your pastors to do so, but, but you'll be engaging with other believers in an apartment complex and doing something for God's glory and for His mission there. And what I would say to you is thank God for all of them because God intends us to use our gifts for for his glory and to advance his mission see the alternative is this is, is you can get to the place i want to be a i want to be a mature church and and you can get to a mature church in a lot of ways some people think you get to a mature church by teaching every obscure thing possible in the bible and i want you to learn everything in the bible i want you to know the malecolites the jebusites and the mosquito bites i want you to know all of them but sitting back, getting deeper knowledge of the Bible by being unengaged in God's mission is a recipe for pride, not a, rep- a recipe for spiritual progress. God has called you to ministry. Well, you say, well, Ed, but not, not all of it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in a situation or a season where I just need to be fed. I need to be fed. Now, now and I get it. I get it. I, I know it. And what I would say to you is this, is that one of the ways you need to be fed is by not just receiving, but also blessing others with the gifting God has given you. Some of you say, well, I'm in a season in my life where, where maybe I'm struggling. I need people to minister to me. Praise God for that. Don't misunderstand that. I believe in that, right? Let, let me give you an example. We have a family in our church. Uh, they have... Uh, I just saw them for Labor Day picnic. Uh, they have um, They had two children. And they'd sort of decided that they were going to not have any more kids. They were kind of done, and they were discussing that. But um, one thing led to another, and, uh, and she was pregnant again. And... Um, she um they, they were kind of I mean they were very thankful but a little intimidated. They didn't think they could afford uh another child. So they went to the doctor and and he said, you know, just flippantly he said, Well, as long as it's not twins, we're gonna be fine. We're thanking God for this new child. And the doctor sort of looked and um looked again, brought somebody in and uh and the doctor said kind of sheepishly, No, it's it's not twins, but it is actually triplets. Um <laughs> And natural-born triplets, I've been told, are a 1 in 8 million probability. Now, we see more today because of fertility drugs, things of that sort. But natural-born unexpected triplets change your life. Right? In one day, they went from a man-to-man to a zone defense in their house. In one day right? Everything has changed. And I want you to know that they don't have to serve anybody right now, right? Uh, right now, we're just going over their house. We're waking them up in the middle of the day, hugging them as they cry and say, I need sleep. We're bringing them meals for the next 18 years. I mean, their world has changed. But the problem is this, friends. In most churches, the majority of people have decided that they are the exception rather than the norm in the biblical teaching. And so even now here at a great church like Calvary, there are hundreds, thousands of people who are unengaged in meaningful ministry and mission have come to some conclusion that this scripture does not apply to them. They like to be objects of the ministry, right, to hear the teaching and the worship. They want to be objects of the ministry, but they don't want to be partners in the ministry. And what I would say is God has called us to be good managers of the varied grace of God. So how do we do that? Well, that's number three. Number one, all have gifts. Number two, God intends all to use. Number three, for which He empowers us. For which He empowers us. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, it says this. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. Teaching the Word of God in the power of God. His speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength of God provides. We see the singular, the gift, we're gifted with and by the Spirit, now becoming the plural. We saw the various graces of God in the words before. Now we see two broad categories of service, speaking and serving. Why? Because all believers are are, are gifted and called by God. All of them. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to hear this, you are called to the ministry. So I thought only pastors were called to the ministry. No, pastors are called to a type of ministry, but all of God's people are called to the ministry. And listen, you don't—I want you to miss this. You don't retire out of it. You don't get too busy for it. You say, "But I got—I got little kids at home." Listen, I got—I got three kids at home. I got three daughters. So, Jimmy, just say, "You can pray for me." I got three daughters, 16, 12, and 9. I am the lead counselor at Camp Estrogen. You can pray for me. Um, <laughs> And I, I love my girls. And, and just uh, my life, I just love my life being surrounded by these sweet, wonderful daughters. I, but I get it. I'm busy too, right? One sings. One's in soccer. One, the youngest one, takes pictures of herself all the time. But I mean, they all... She's nine. We had to do kind of a selfie intervention. Uh, No more posting selfies. Uh, And so, but here's the thing. I love my kids, but you know what my kids need? Not to have their every whim catered to. They need to serve Jesus along with their mom and dad and see that the totality of our existence is not just us. And if you're retired, what a blessing it would be to say, you know, I, I didn't work my whole life to stop serving Jesus. I worked my whole life and now I'm more free to serve Jesus. Here's the thing. But we have to do that in the power of the Spirit. If anyone speaks, as one who speaks God's Word, if anyone serves from the strength God provides in the power of the Spirit, using our gifts for the glory of God and the advance of His mission. And here's the thing. I I know that there are all kinds of people in this church who are gifted by God for His glory that, that, that are just not using their gifts. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, uh, if you're serving, and I'm so thankful, I, I, I just, I want to echo from Pastor Skip, I want to echo from the Lord, thank you for how you're serving God and serving others. And I know some of you who are serving others are saying, man, I'm so glad the guest speaker is calling out the lazy people today. Uh, but I want you not to, because I want you to see that you have to be part of creating a culture of service that... And there's already one here, but I, I want to exhort you today to provoke you to love and good deeds, the writer of Hebrews says. I want to exhort you to taking that to a, another level, to, to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Think of all that God has done already at Calvary Albuquerque, and then think of all that God would do if the hundreds, perhaps thousands of people who have kind of, kind of checked out of serious service and checked out of using their gifts for God's glory would say, no, in the power of the Spirit, I'm going to be one who... You uses my gifts. I'm going to be one who moves from being a customer to being a co-laborer. I'm going to minister in, through, and beyond this church. And if you're already serving, I want to ask you to be a part of helping that, of, of helping make that happen. Part of that is you can be in community. This is why connect groups are so important. In transformational Groups, it's actually my newest book, we, we found a very clear correlation. You want people serving, you need them in community. We've got to increasingly move people from sitting in rows to sitting in circles so they provoke one another to love and good deeds so they live on mission. That's essential. That's why I'm so excited about the Connect Group emphasis here right now. But I want to say to you that there's all kinds of people who have gifts that they don't even know they have them. And if you're serving, you've got to help us to help people find their gifts. Let me give you an example. Uh, a few years ago, many of you remember, how many of you remember uh, when you first saw the Susan Boyle video on television? Raise your hand if you saw that video, right? Yeah, almost all of you and the rest of you, remember going to run electricity and television to your home any day now? Because if you were alive, you saw that video. You could, you'd you walk by in restaurants, it would be playing, and small groups of people would be crying and watching it. Because if you remember, Susan Boyle sort of started from the uh, the edge of the platform, and she she walked onto the platform, and as she did, the camera went to the people, and as she walked on before she said or sang a thing, they started laughing at her. And she didn't, she wasn't deterred. She came up. She stood in front of all these people who were snickering at what? Her appearance? Her her age? What was it? We don't know, but they were snickering like she shouldn't even been there. And then Simon Cowell. You remember Simon Cowell used to be on the American Idol, and at that time, he was on Britain's Got Talent, which was the show that I'm talking about. And he asks her these patronizing questions, you know, where are you from, dearie? And she struggles. And I'm from a collection of villages in Scotland and everyone laughs at her lack of articulation. He asks her more questions to which the people smirk or groan and it ends with, what are you, you going to sing? And she says, I'm going to sing, I dream a dream from Lay Miss. And the music starts to play. You remember. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And she starts to sing, I dream a dream in time gone by. And she hits that first line And the camera goes to the people who suddenly go, huh, and she hits the second line and her voice gets stronger. She's getting her confidence at the second line and, and people all around are just their, their their mouths are just a little bit open and looking at each other with this stunned look. And she gets to the third line and she's now in her groove and the camera goes to two guys backstage and one says to the other, You didn't see that coming, did you? And you didn't, right? You're watching this, and she hits the fourth line and, and the camera goes to to Simon Cowell and he, he actually smiles and he nods and the earth like shakes on its axis for just a second. <laughs> And then she hits the next line, and it's to the audience. At this point, they start standing and they're applauding. The whole audience is applauding. I'm watching this video. I'm watching it over and over. Donna, my wife, comes in, and says, "What are you? Wa- Who's this woman you're watching on, on YouTube? Over and over again? Don't worry, baby, it's all good." And so I'm watching this over and over, and I start crying. Right? I'm not a weeper, and i nothing well, wrong with that. But I'm not a weeper, and I'm I am crying like an 11-year-old girl at a Taylor Swift concert. I mean, I can't stop crying, and I've I've been with an 11-year-old girl to a Taylor Swift concert. So I know what it looks like. That was me. And I'm just weeping at this. And to the world, that's a shocking moment on YouTube where somebody finds their talent and God-given talent and just shocks and surprises the world with the talent they have. To the world, that's a shocking moment on YouTube that we can all watch. But to the people of God, in the kingdom of God, in the church of God, that should be Sunday because men and women are saying, I'm gifted by God. And, And there's a difference between talents and gifts. I don't have the time to unpack all that. But there's hundreds... Thousands of people at Calvary, Albuquerque, you need to find and use their gifts for the glory of God. And that might be you, or there might be somebody you can help, but we need to find hundreds and thousands more who will say, Yes, Lord, here I am, send me. So we find and deploy those gifts for God's glory. In a few minutes, I'm going to talk about Three ways we could respond to this message. And one of them is, those of you who are serving, is not just to serve and then to be unhappy with those who are not, but to serve and then to reach out to those who are not and to help them find how God has gifted them for His glory and for the good, the the benefit of this church in, through, and even beyond. Help them to find those gifts. Let's not bemoan that we need more who serve. Let's actually change that we need more who serve. And for those of you who are not serving, I love you, I'm not mad at you, but I don't want you to miss out on, on what God has gifted you for. See, the, the spiritual gifts are to be used for the edification of the body, and if you're not using your gifts, you're, you're robbing the body in, through, and beyond. You're robbing the body, and then you're even robbing yourself. Because I want you to participate in the glory of God. It's not about you. And if we live our lives thinking it's about us, we end up going to the end of our life as knowledgeable religious people not living on mission. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's intent. Number one, all have gifts. Number two, uh, for all, God intends all to use. Number three, for which He empowers us. Number fourth and finally, to bring God glory. And I'll, I'll close with this. You know what it means when a guest speaker says, I'll close with this? Absolutely nothing. Again, what are you going to do? All have gifts. God intends all to use. For which he empowers us. Number four and finally, to bring God glory. Let's look at what it says. The next words are, so that... So that implies that that which is before lead to that which follows. So if we live this way, using our gifts for God's glory, based on the gift they have received or gifted with and by the Spirit, now everyone is using their gift to serve others in the power of the Spirit. When that happens, so that, what happens? God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. God gets the glory. Matter of fact, look at what it says after. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The implication, I think, is that some way we're robbing God of His due glory. I infer from this verse that we are robbing God of His due glory when the church is filled with passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. When the church is filled with people who come as customers but don't serve as co-laborers. God is robbed of His due glory. Now, I don't know the future of, of your church. I know the past. Um, But but I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I work at a nonprofit organization. (laughs) Um, But what I would say is, I believe God's got greater days ahead, exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. And it's it's not just this. There's so much more. There's faithfulness. there's, There's continual stewardship. There's trusting and relying on the Spirit. But it has to include this. God wants to get greater glory than He already has at Calvary, Albuquerque, and He will do so, so that in everything He may be glorified if we will continue and even to a greater level become a church filled with people who know they've been gifted with and by the Spirit, that everyone wants to use their gift to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So my encouragement to you is this. It's really three encouragements. If you're, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want you to know I've been talking about the Christian life and that's what you need is, is again, not to try hard or not to start serving others, but to meet Jesus. He's ready. If you'll respond by grace and through faith, you can trust and receive him today, and your life will be changed, and this will be part of the life you'll live. If you're already serving, I want to invite you to help to create a greater culture of serving in, through, and beyond Calvary, Albuquerque. To find brothers and sisters who are, who are maybe not sure of their gifts. To find that Susan Boyle who's gifted in ways that they don't even yet, maybe the world around them doesn't even yet know. And if you're not serving, I love you, I'm not mad at you. There may be a season in your life, but it, it can't be God's design that the majority of people are in a season that teaches them not to do what this passage says. Now I recognize I've been there. I've had sick kids at times and people just minister to me. There are times you're going to be just a recipient of God's ministry. But I wonder if God might be speaking to your heart through his Holy Spirit that it's time for you to step up and say, I also want to serve others. I want to give us the opportunity to respond to the spirits prompting in our lives today. And I want to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, to join me. And let's pray together and let's ask God's direction for us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, by your grace and your goodness, you have uh, redeemed us, called us by name. And Father, I thank you for the women, the men, the young people in this room. And I, I thank you for the privilege to open God's word to them. But I, Father, I pray, Father, your spirit might speak to hearts now. If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, I don't want you to leave this place without inviting you to call out on his name. He says, whoever calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's nothing you have done. There's nothing that can preclude you from the grace and exclude you from the grace of God. Would you, in the quietness of this moment, if it's the prayer of your heart, just pray and say to the Lord, just just pray to him silently. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I call upon you. I can't do it myself. You died on the cross for my sin. And in my place, I received that new and eternal life you give me this day. And Father, I and we pray for people who just prayed and trusted in Jesus, Lord, that you would indeed help them to begin this journey, Lord. You you began a good work and you'll be faithful to complete it. And I I, I pray that, Lord, you give them the boldness to take that next step. I'm just sharing that here today. Father, I pray for those who are serving. And Father, I pray that you might speak to their hearts and, and, and encourage them that they might minister in the grace and the power of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, using their gifts for God's glory and for the good of others. And Father, I pray that you might in us create a, a deep burden and passion to to raise the level of service here at Calvary Albuquerque exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. If you're serving, can you just in the quietness of this moment, would you just pray? Would you just say, just pray and say, Lord Jesus, awaken a greater part of this body to minister in the church, through the church, and beyond the church. And as you're praying, I'm going to ask the Lord to give you some direction. Father, I pray. But those who are serving and praying right now, that you'd bring to mind some, some people that they might reach out to and say, hey, i not using these words, but how about no more customer? Let's be a co-laborer together. Just let the Lord speak to your heart about who you might reach out to. And Father, I pray for those who are not serving. Some because they're hurting in a season when they need to be ministered to. And Father, I pray we'd minister to them well here at Calvary. But, Father, for others, I pray that that you, not me, not Pastor Skip, that you might convict the hearts of those who need to move from the sidelines and into the field, who need to stop being passive spectators, but be active participants in the mission of God. So, Father, by your grace, we come before you. We thank you that we're gifted with and by the Spirit, and everyone is to use their gifts as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. May we live that way. And may you receive even greater glory than you already have through this remarkable church. Even greater glory as we serve you and make your name and fame more widely known.
0: Amen. Would you stand please? Co-laborers, I love serving the Lord with you. I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do next in and through you. Jesus changed the world with 12 ordinary fishermen. What He's going to do in this city through you, through us, is going to be outstanding. Two great days of your life. The day you were born and the day you discovered what you were born for. And the Lord has so much for you. Thanks to Ed. Thanks to... For that great message that was just a that was a message from his heart to our hearts what binds us together is devotion to worshiping our heavenly father dedication to studying his word and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ for more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig visit calvaryabq.org